2: And now, it's time to get to work. Adam, it's Raiders week, and the Raiders are a hot mess. You hate to see it.
1: Yeah, that's a shame. Popcorn eating, Jerry Seinfeld style. Fantastic stuff. Uh, (laughs) I don't mean to chuckle, because this is actually fairly serious, uh, the conversation that's about to happen. But you're absolutely right. There is really very few things in life that are as enjoyable as the Raiders imploding on themselves. It is, it is as a Broncos fan, as someone who's loved the Broncos my entire life and hated, and the, Raiders hated the Raiders your whole life. my entire life, because that's how I was raised to be. Uh, yeah, proper I'm way. <laughs> raised properly. I, I, I absolutely love this. And, and, um, Love it in a way that is actually sort of sad. It's hilariously sad. I think is is the way that I would would phrase it. Um, Ooh, a conundrum. Uh, yes, yeah, so it's a bit of a conundrum. It's a bit of an oxymoron. It's a, you know sort of a it's like too, jumbo shrimp. Yeah, it's it is a little bit of jumbo shrimp, and so it's hilariously sad in that uh, it it shines a light on something about the NFL, which is something that we love, right? As as Bronco fans, as football fans, the NFL is a big part of our life. That's why we sit down twice a week and, and record a podcast. It's why we write our blog. It's why we it's why I get yelled at by my wife for watching too much football on Sunday and not not hanging out with the family. And I can say it like that cuz she's not going to listen to this. And all of that is is great and wonderful, but then this this right here, this John Gruden situation to me it just illuminates all of the terrible backdrop to what the NFL is to most people on Sunday. And that's the that's the worst part, I think, for me, uh, aside from just the awful stuff that he said clearly and that you know other people reciprocated. Don't, don't tell me that it wasn't reciprocated. And so you look at it and you go, I, you know... I, I am supporting this in some way by sitting down on Sunday and watching football and red zone and, and and the NFL and network and all that stuff. And it, it sort of makes you think as a fan, it makes you think about whether or not you're making a good choice.
2: And just to rewind a little bit, for those who haven't seen it, John Gruden was basically fired from the NFL after emails were conveniently released to various media outlets by the NFL because they are in possession of the 650,000 emails that was supposed to be for a investigation into the Washington football team. And yet it's a coach for a team not affiliated with that investigation or the Washington football team who takes the crux of the punishment. We'll get to that. But John Gruden sent racist, homophobic, misogynistic, bigoted, basically anything under the sun that was awful and horrible, John Gruden said in the emails. And I think the main reason he is no longer with the Las Vegas Raiders is because of what he said about Roger Goodell. But we'll get to that. Google it. Not safe for work. It's just... the, The thing about all this that I feel most upset about Is Carl Nassim, who is the first openly gay man to come out in the National Football League. And he plays for the Las Vegas Raiders and had to deal with a bigoted homophobic coach. Yeah. So how would I, I just that that's what bothers me. And I would hope that the Lloyd Christmas haircut owner of the Raiders comes out when he speaks to the media when people listen to this on Wednesday and stands behind Carl Nassim and makes it abundantly clear that the Raiders are with him. They will always be with him because for all the faults, and you touched on this before we even started recording, for all the reasons I hate Al Davis, he was at the forefront of minority and women hiring in the National Football League and his and his son needs to get on board with that and prove it not just empty words but with actions now
1: yeah I, I, there's no doubt that uh if if you know anything about the history of the NFL then you know that Al Davis is uh, a, a leader in the civil rights movement for NFL players and coaches uh, and and was, as you said, in the forefront of hiring in front office positions as well. People of color, women. Uh, clearly, it was something that and, and this is a, a credit to Al Davis. And, and let me just say this. I don't appreciate being made to uh, talk nicely about Al Davis because that's what this has done to Seconded. us because I don't really... I, I still I, hope he's in purgatory. I, I mean, hate the man, right? I mean, I'll never forget the day he died. I called my dad and said, well, Al Davis is dead. I mean, then that was that was it. I i didn't care. But the truth of the matter is if you strip away the fandom that we have for the Broncos and you just look and at... And the hatred and of the The hatred of the Raiders. You just have the admiration of someone who saw that this was something that was right and he did what was right. And... Now what you have is a situation where, and, and I believe that some of this is going to be what happens with Mark Davis, because there's a reason John Gruden is no longer there. Yes, the Roger Goodell stuff is is a big part of that. Uh, but I think Mark Davis probably, Apple doesn't usually fall too far from the tree. I think he at least understood that this was something that was untenable. The issue I have with it, along with everything else that we've said, is it shows that there is a, a, a clear, I, I don't know how to say this other than it looks like this. John Gruden was somebody who hit it. Well, let's say it that way, at least from the, the regular folk, John Gruden was somebody who uh, would, would get in the booth with Mike Tirico on Monday night and talk everybody up and say great things about everybody, no matter who they were. And was clearly someone who, um, you know, knew how to present himself in public and, then behind closed doors, in private emails, in in a situation where uh, he, you know, you know, believed that he was speaking, in, you know, in confidence with people, his true self came out. And I know that there's going to be people who go to defend him and say, "Well, this was, as you said, this wasn't even an investigation into John Gruden. These are things he said 11, 12, 10, 12, 11 years ago, whatever it was. And why are we holding him accountable for these things? Are 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 we seriously going to do that?" Because if you are, just just stop listening now. Turn it off. Leave your bad review on Apple because you will. and, And just go away. Because this is not anything more than consequence of your actions. And it also is showing us that people are capable of presenting themselves in a way that does not come across as what John Gruden came across in his emails. Which means that he's not the only one. He is not the only one who feels this way, who would say those things in a private moment, and don't don't give me the well. You've made mistakes in in your life too. Yeah, I have. Everybody has. Everybody's done stupid stuff, but not like this, not in this way, not to this degree, not so egregiously, and so don't 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 think that it's okay to defend him because you think, wow, we're, you know, what about this? Or what about, don't give me the what about Because the truth of the matter is this man made a choice to say things and, and email things. Sure, it was in confidence. They were inappropriate. They were bigoted. They were disgusting. There were things that I wouldn't wish upon my worst enemy. As I sit here and say nice things about Al Davis, you can surely understand that. And then to go and try and defend him and say, well, that was so long ago. Hmm. No, because what it tells me is that there's more people like that in the NFL. There's more people who would be willing to agree with him on those things. They just didn't get caught. And I think the operative word here is going to be yet, because there's another shoe to drop, I'm sure, because the investigation, as you said, Ian, wasn't even into John Gruden. It was into the Washington football team. So who else is going down?
2: And if you're going to say that these emails were from 11 years ago, there are emails from as recently 2018 and 2019. So this is who he is. And you don't need to take our word for it. We have sound from Keyshawn Johnson, who played for John Gruden in Tampa Bay and was on the team that won the Super Bowl. Here is a little bit of the sound that he had on ESPN on Tuesday.
1: I didn't know that, that John would say things like that and and put them in an email he just always been a fraud to me he just always been a fraud to me never never from day one he's been a used car salesman and people bought it because he inherited a championship team built by tony dungy and rich mckay and he came in there with a little bit of different energy that we had with tony And it kind of kicked us over the top to get our world championship, which I am grateful for. But at the same time, I also saw through who he was through that journey of getting a championship.
2: So now that we have the sound from Keyshawn Johnson, who I think speaks for a lot of people who may know John Gruden, but from someone who played for him, I think that's a good place to leave it off. Now we can start talking about the game on Sunday, which I feel is a must win for the Denver Broncos you're going against your hated rival they're honoring Mike Shanahan he's going to be inducted into the Broncos ring of fame halftime he's going to have his name on the facade unveiled along with Steve Atwater who's going to have the hall of fame logo next to his name on the ring of fame inside the, the facade of the stadium And as I told you, it's no coincidence that Mike Shanahan is being inducted into the Broncos ring of fame on Raiders week, but this is a must win game. And it was a must win game before John, the John Gruden mess. Now it's even more of a must win because they don't have a head coach.
1: Yeah. You bring up a really interesting point there. One of the things we've complained about for the last two weeks with the Broncos against the Ravens and then with against the Steelers is the fact that the Broncos were outcoached that. John Harbaugh and then uh, and then Mike Tomlin went about and did a better job than Vic Fangio and his coaching staff, right? So those coaching staffs did a better job than the Broncos coaching staff. And now you're about to face a team that doesn't have a coach. If you if you get out coached by a team that doesn't have a coach, the the proverbial hot seat is on, right? Somebody has turned on the seat warmers in the in the Bronco bus. And Vic Fangio can feel he can feel the warmth on his tushy. That's right. I said tushy. Enjoy that. And and this is this is one of those games that you are absolutely right. When we talk, they're almost they're almost win games. Yeah, I know. This is a must win game. Not just because they're playing a team that doesn't have a head coach, but also if this is a football team that thinks they have playoff aspirations, after going three and zero to then be three and three, that would be. Uh, less than ideal, to to say the least.
2: In my preview story at PlayColorado.com, the headline is, if the Broncos lose to the Raiders, you can kiss the playoffs goodbye. And that's that's absolutely the case, because if they lose to the Raiders, there's no shot this team is going to make the playoffs, especially with how difficult the schedule gets. Because mere days after this game, they travel to Cleveland to take on the Browns.
1: Yes, it's their only primetime game of the season.
2: As I said in that PlayColorado.com preview story, which you can read, I I talk about the odds and all that. I say the wheels haven't fallen off the bus yet, but the last remaining lug nuts are frighteningly close to popping off. And then you're going to be able to park this bus because it ain't going anywhere.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, during the uh, postgame recap, which uh, you were you were not available for, um, Joe Rolls jumped on with me, and one of the things that he had said after the game was that the the game against the Steelers was actually uh, had huge playoff implications for the Broncos, and was one of those games that had major playoff implications throughout the league because of what was going on with the Steelers, because of how good the Broncos were at the beginning of the season, going three and zero, and so. That doesn't change. It doesn't get any better moving forward, as you've said. And when you see what the Raiders have done, knowing that they do have some talent, and they do they they have taken some teams to the brink. They've beaten some teams that the Broncos lost to, a la the Ravens, for example.
2: I still think they got incredibly lucky. Oh, absolutely, beating but the Ravens. I think we all know but luck is a I, part of it. And they were in Las Vegas, so I guess it's fitting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. lucky in Las Vegas, lucky in Las Vegas for sure. But this game is something that will tell us as fans about what this team really is, because the AFC West is a is a juggernaut, right? You're not you you've got the the Chargers who, let's face it, the Los Angeles Chargers are the class of the AFC West, and you didn't think I was going to say that after uh, a few weeks into the NFL season. You thought, well, week five, the Chiefs will be what four and one maybe, and and they'll be running away with it. Here we are no, they're the, actually the worst team in here the We're looking right at the now. Chargers on the top and the Chiefs on the bottom. Now, if you don't that's think that's going to... Yeah, it's just it's, just, it's a popcorn, eating my eating my Seinfeld popcorn again. I don't know. I That defense is hot It's garbage. It is and rough. as
2: I've said to you, if you take away Tyreek Hill, you shut down this offense and teams have figured that out.
1: Well, the, the blueprint is there, right? The blueprint has been there for, for a while now. And I imagine that that the chiefs will have to adjust their approach because that's what happens, right? You throw a punch and then everybody counter punches and then you've got to be able to counter punch that. And so, uh, Andy
2: Reid will just eat it.
1: He'll, he'll eat whatever punch comes his way. And, and all of the, all of the meats uh, on the plate also will be for him. Yeah, and then the plate. <laughs> oh no. Is that plate edible? I don't know. We guess we'll find out. Oh, it's good to have Andy Reid jokes again. It's nice. Right. But anyway, I, I
2: have to get this in. So I I think I've joked about this on the podcast before. I am sticking with it and bringing it back, Las Vegas. L O S S.
1: Yes, I like that. I think I think if we should we should uh definitely use Las Vegas as our uh way of speaking about the Raiders moving forward and that is something that I'm okay with. I'm good with that. The one thing I'm not okay with, and I'm gonna I'm gonna segue us into some some talk about the Broncos and some of their struggles here. I'm not okay with the way Pat Shermer has been calling football games. And when, since he got in Denver, yeah, since 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 he got to Denver for sure. And, and when we look at this team and what they can do and what they can't do, like what they do well and what they don't do well, it feels like every week Pat Shermer really tries to rely on doing the things that they don't do very well and going away from the things that they do really well. So he doesn't like to run the ball, even though they're averaging six and seven yards a carry. uh, And instead he wants to throw it all over the place, but he also doesn't want to use play action pass, which is uh, when Teddy Bridgewater is like 90% efficient is in play action. But instead he doesn't want to do that because they're too good at that. It's like he wants the offense to be challenged in a way that uh, will allow them to just be, I don't know, um, terrible it did it makes no sense to me and and it's interesting i saw a tweet and i don't remember who sent it and i feel like a jerk and i'm not going to look it up because i don't really care all that much but i saw a tweet that pointed out that teddy bridgewater is incredibly efficient uh in play action and the broncos didn't call a single play action pass against the steelers until the fourth quarter what is going on
2: all i can think about is brick hamlin doing the weather for anchorman that's Pat Shermer. I, I mean, that's literally all I can think about. I, 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 just I don't understand it. It literally makes no sense. He's like an adolescent, where those who who are parents, when you tell a kid to do something, it's going to do the opposite. So Vic Fangio just needs to go to Pat Shermer and say, "Don't run the ball." Oh, you're gonna you're gonna tell me what to do? All right. I mean. That I mean, that's literally the only thing left to do because this guy is a moron. I do not care. He might be a great guy. He might be a good coach. The results speak for themselves. He is not a good offensive coordinator. He needs to start showing that he actually has some semblance of an idea of what he's doing instead of being cute, instead of trying to outsmart everybody because – He's just making himself look like a giant moron because that's what he is. Your team is great running the football. Your team is great when you're in two tight end sets. Why do you continue to do something you're not good at? Your offense is hot garbage when when you run three wide receiver sets. I brought this up before. Just look at Jeff Legwald's Twitter feed whenever Pat Shermer decides to go with three wide receivers. Run two wide receiver or two tight end heavy sets. Run the goddamn football yeah uh, sorry to sorry to take your key to the game no no well, but... you know
1: and when we get to the key to the game i'll say it again because it's it's worth repeating, but it, it, quite frankly the the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, and that's where we are now that we've reached that cliche in our lives where we are currently going insane because Pat Shermer decides to do the same thing over and over again and I think the biggest indictment here of his play calling. Is the fact that in the fourth quarter against the Steelers, they went to play action and they went to two tight end sets and they changed the game plan and they almost came back. They almost made it a, a fun little victory and yay, we came back and no, but it didn't work out in the end because you dug yourself a hole because you didn't think to do that at the beginning. It's it reminded me, and this is what it reminds me of, and, and you can tell me if I'm going crazy because again. We might be going insane here it reminds me of the dan reeves john elway era when dan reeves would hamstring and and essentially put a put a collar on john elway for three quarters and then in the fourth quarter he would turn him loose and that's why john elway had so many fourth quarter comebacks because they would be down by so much and then he would have to bring them back in the fourth quarter when dan reeves finally let him be john elway and I'm not saying that Pat Shermer needs to let Teddy Bridgewater be Teddy Bridgewater, but I kind of am saying that because Teddy Bridgewater is a guy who is as good as the talent around him, as long as the scheme fits, and the scheme seemingly could fit with Pat Shermer. I, I, I truly believe that it could, and the talent that he has, Cortland Sutton is is healthy. Uh, if Noah Fant could get it together, he'd be good. You've got two good running backs. You've got a pretty solid offensive line. Tim Patrick they just is, signed John Brown to the John, practice squad. John Brown is on the pe- practice squad. When Jerry Judy comes back, you're going to have that weapon, and I can't wait for Gumby to make it back. It, it's, it seems like all of the stuff, all the pieces of the puzzle are there, but Pat Shermer has decided to take that puzzle and shove pieces in places where they don't fit, and it doesn't matter to him that the picture doesn't look right, and then in the fourth quarter, oh, we'll fix it and we'll let Teddy do what he needs to do. Well, now it's too late, and Teddy Bridgewater isn't John Elway, so he's not dragging teams across the finish line. You can't put him behind the eight ball like that. You can't ask a player like Teddy Bridgewater to do what a player like John Elway used to do, which was drag bad teams across the finish line and make it to Super Bowls that they never should have gone to. What you should do is put Teddy Bridgewater in this offense in a position to be successful. And just as you said, two tight end sets, run heavy, don't do anything that's too cute. It's like he outthinks himself. It's like he thinks that, and I said this when I was on with Ryan and Ben last Friday uh, on Broncos Country Tonight. It's like he knows that I know, that you know, that he knows, that they know, that we know, that everybody knows, and so everybody knows, so he's not going to do it. I-, I don't care if everybody and their grandma knows that you're going to run the football. When you're averaging six and seven yards a carry, run the damn ball! I- it. it- Pat Shermer is going to be my he's he's going to be my brain aneurysm this year.
2: I got an analogy that just came to me. He's trying to out Tom
1: McMahon, Tom McMahon. Ooh, that's a good analogy. Uh, It's also a terrible plan on his part because he should knock that off. That's terrible. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Yuck. That's that's what I have to say about that. I'm just uh,
2: saying that he's trying to compete with Tom McMahon for being the worst coordinator for the Broncos.
1: Well, I, I, he's... Uh, and he's he's getting there. He's, he's getting pretty damn area. close. He's, he's Look, he's number two on the podium right now, okay? It's a podium of two people, and he's number two on that podium. Uh, that's not a good place to be because next step is awful, and you don't want to be the next step, so...
2: Before we get started on our keys to the Raiders game, since I wasn't on the postgame recap, I will say my key to the game against the Steelers was to make the Steelers one-dimensional. What did the Broncos go and do? Made the worst rushing team in the National Football League look like they had Franco Harris back. That's on Vic Fag- Vic Fangio and Ed
1: Donatel. Yeah, that was that was really a, a, a poor defensive effort, uh, and and we t- we did talk about it on the post-game recap. They got out coached, and we we talked about it when we started here. They got out coached in every facet of the game. They got out coached, and it's two weeks in a row that that's happened. So uh, I, I'm sure one of the keys to the game from somebody is don't get out coached, uh, which is was just perfectly fine. Uh, but I'm just gonna go ahead and jump into my key to the game here because we've already said it, and it is run the football, run the damn ball. Because that's what you're good at. Because that sets everything else up. Because that means you're in two tight end sets and you can run play action. And you can put Teddy Bridgewater in this offense in a position to be successful in a spot where they can manage the game and you can slow the game down that way. It doesn't have to be you know, 60-yard bombs all the time. That That's fine. I'm okay with that. Everybody here is fine with that. Score 26 points and only give up 24. I'm in. I'm 100% in on that. If you don't choose to run the football, then you're not going to be successful. We have proof of it. I don't need to look much further than the last two weeks. My
2: key to the game, just win, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the troll level is high, That was but just win. Don't overthink it. Just win the damn game. Just win, baby. Do whatever it takes to win. However it needs to happen. Whatever needs to happen, do it. Don't overthink it. You literally have to try to get out coached this weekend since they don't have a coach. That's some next level stuff. That's like red pill,
1: blue pill stuff. <laughs> the Matrix reference. I love it. I love it. All right. So, uh, that being said, let's go with some players to watch. Let's, you know what? let's start on the defensive side because it was rough and I'm going to go first because I don't want you to steal mine. And the player to watch this week is Kyle Fuller. And I'm going to say Kyle Fuller now, because I didn't say Kyle Fuller in my winners and losers. I did winners and losers for Ian last week. Uh, I like to step in and do that when he needs the help. He needed the help. And uh, I, I don't, I had to go in and make a comment on the article. I don't know how I forgot. I think because I just was trying real hard to block him out of my mind. I forgot to mention Kyle Fuller as a loser, for that loss against the Steelers. Well, because he was a loser, he's my player to watch. He came in with some fanfare. We were excited on the podcast. We talked about, this is a good signing. He's played in Fangio system. He knows what he's supposed to do. You got a good veteran presence, blah, 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 blah. He sucked against the Steelers. And so can he bounce back? Can he have a better game? And he struggled at times uh, in, in 2021. So this season has not been all smooth sailing for Kyle Fuller. It's not like he blew up out of the blue against the Steelers. But it the the little leaks that you saw turned into gigantic holes and the ship sank against the Steelers for Kyle Fuller. His uh, ship was full of water at that point, and he sank. So hopefully he's been able to bail that out and it's not as fuller as it was. I'm going to stop with those puns. It's just awful. I, I don't know why I'm still doing that. Uh, But he's my defensive player to watch for sure.
2: For me, Justin Simmons, he has been awful to start the season. And there was a lot of hubbub from Bleacher Report when they said the one player needed to be benched from each team. And they mentioned for the Broncos that it was Justin Simmons. Well, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but... The way he's played, he should be benched because he has not been good. He has not lived up to the contract extension that he got. He hasn't lived up to being the leader on defense that he's supposed to be. He hasn't lived up to being the Dennis Smith, Steve Atwater, Tyrone Braxton, Goose Gonsolin-type safety that we all said that he was. Step up. Be the leader on the field
1: way better do your job because he hasn't yeah it's been it's been disappointing he's had flashes there there i think that i'm trying to remember which game he was good in i think it was the jets game uh which was the one where he had the interception didn't he have an interception <laughs> feels like feels like he hasn't played so well uh and so we forget some of the good I would things would that, that he's he would done. play well against a rookie quarterback and a bad offense i'm just saying there was a moment there but uh you're right it's been it's been less than stellar for Justin Simmons, for sure. Uh, offensive side of the football, for me, it's it's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. I'm taking the cliche. I'm taking the quarterback. Uh, but it's going to be, is Teddy Bridgewater able to perform in the offensive play-calling scheme that is handed to him by Pat Shermer? Because I, I will say this. If Pat Shermer's calling the plays, Teddy Bridgewater better make them work. Uh, that's, that's, that's the other side of the coin here. And, and we can rail on Pat Shermer all we want. And we will, because I think that he's been bad and it's been frustrating and he's cost them some opportunities and some games at the same time. When, when the coach calls a play, if that's the play you're going to run, you better run it right. And you better do a good job and you better figure it out. And so to me, I'm not gonna. I'm not just gonna give Teddy Bridgewater a pass here. I'm not saying they need to pull him and put in Drew Lock. I don't believe that. I'm not one of those people that's that's ready to just say, "Oh, he's terrible in the first half of games," and so he needs to be. Uh, he, we need to examine this. Uh, no, not really. I think I think it's pretty clear that the play calling's been rough. But at the same time, you you do what you've been told, and you do it to the best of your ability, and you better step up if 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 you're gonna be told to throw a bad pitch, you better throw that bad pitch. As, as good as you can or else somebody's going to knock it into a cornfield in Olathe. And that's a joke for my old man to, to laugh at because the truth is that doesn't usually work out, but you still got to, you got to play the game, even if you don't like the calls or even if they're not, what your strength is.
2: For me, it's Pat Shermer. I, I mean, it doesn't matter what Teddy Bridgewater does. He needs to be put in a position to have success. And Pat Shermer hasn't done that. He needs to do it this Sunday because the Raiders don't have a coach.
1: They really don't. It just cracks me up. We get to keep saying that. All right, I like it. Uh, you got a prediction? You got a score prediction? I wrote mine down before we started. I I, I don't know. I, I just I have this feeling that the Broncos
2: should win this game. They should have beaten Pittsburgh, too, and how'd that turn out? I, I just have a feeling that the Raiders are going to be so motivated to prove that it wasn't all about John Gruden And let's not forget, this is still a Broncos defense that cannot cover a tight end. And the Raiders have one of, if not the best, tight end in football in Darren Waller. If you have Darren Waller in fantasy this week, you're going to get a lot of points because Alexander Johnson showed that he has oven mitts for hands and can't catch a goddamn thing. So while I will never pick... A Raiders win, I have a bad feeling about this weekend because I just don't think this team cares anymore. I don't think they're motivated. I don't think Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, Ed Donatel, Tom McMahon can do anything to tell these guys what to do. I'm going to predict a Broncos win. I don't know the score because I think the Raiders are going to eventually win this football game.
1: Wow, you just predicted a Broncos win by predicting the Raiders winning the game. I'm not sure if I could top that, but I'm going to go in a completely opposite direction from you, and this doesn't usually happen, so I'll be curious to see what happens here. I believe that the turmoil, while a galvanizing force for many teams, um, is going to work in the opposite direction for the Raiders. Not necessarily full term, but I think in this first week, it'll take them a little while to figure out how to put things together having lost their head coach. And and yes, there will be a pulling together of the Raiders franchise, and they are going to rally the troops. They are going to you know, come together in a way that that I think the NFL will see them as, oh, yeah, they're coming together and they're whatever, fine. I, I think that'll happen, but I don't think it'll happen this week. I think it's too quick a turnaround. I think you're implementing a game plan. I think you're doing things that that are being done by a head coach, and then all of a sudden he's gone, right? You know, he's he's he and not in a cool Kaiser Soze way, but instead more of a um, wow, that guy really screwed up and they had to make him leave immediately kind of way. So to me, this is the Broncos opportunity to really damage. I like that word damage the Raiders as they move forward by putting a big hurt on them. And Mike Shanahan in the building, Steve Atwater in the building. There's motivation there because Raider week was the most important week for Mike Shanahan every year, no matter what. So to me, this is a big win for the Broncos. I'm going to predict a big score, 34 to 12, Denver. I know that's just dumb, but I'm going with it. I wrote it down. I'm feeling it. I'm all in on it. Broncos, 34, 12.
2: Well, I, I hope you're right. I just I have a bad feeling about this, and not because I ate some bad fish or whatever. It's just I. And once Mike Shanahan can go into the locker room and give the pregame speech, or maybe Steve Atwater can join him. I just, I, 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 maybe all Mike the good can vibes. Some
1: of, maybe Mike can script the first 15 plays for the Broncos on offense. Maybe he could do that. I, I would love that. I would love that. Cause he would run the ball It would be, and he would use two tight end sets.
2: I just, I, 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 just, I have a, I just, as much as I want to predict a Broncos win and I did because I hate the Raiders, all the good vibes are gone. Like, I, 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 I need to see it. Uh, Show me, show me that you can go out and, and beat a team that's on the ropes, but did beat Lamar Jackson and the Ravens did beat big Ben and the Steelers, which you got punked by both those teams, y'all.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's going to be an interesting one. All right, let's do this. Let's take a break. Uh, when we come back we'll do our look at the AFC West matchups and our whip around the league and then we will say adios John Gruden. I mean, uh, we'll say go Broncos.
0: Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip, you ATV and zip line through the jungle.
1: All right, and we've got some some fun games coming up this weekend. Uh, actually, w- one of the most exciting games of the weekend, right off the top there, you've got Chargers and Ravens. Um, we talked about the Chargers earlier in the show. They are legit, for real, incredible. And we just saw the Ravens on Monday night against the Colts with that big comeback win. Uh, this, this is going to be a fun game, or it's going to be a real uh, clunker. That, that happens, too, where you get those games where you're like, this is going to be amazing, and then it's like, 12 to 10, and you're like, I don't know what just happened.
2: Yeah, I, I it's going to be a fun game to watch Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson go back and forth. And I, I told you this after the, the Monday night game, Lamar Jackson firmly planted himself in the MVP discussion because there were some stats from that Monday night game that are just insane. Like the Ravens had 523 or 524 total yards of offense and Lamar Jackson accounted for like 503 of them. If that isn't a most valuable player, I don't know what is.
1: Yeah, if you take Lamar Jackson off of the Ravens and substitute him with, uh, I don't know, pick, pick a good quarterback if you want. Uh, who who out there is good, not great, but good that you could put in there? I don't care who it is. This offense doesn't work. The, the Ravens are not what the Ravens are. He is... He is that offense. He is that he's that franchise right now. And uh, yeah, he's, he is who I would put my money on. Now we talked at the beginning of the year. Who's your dark horse. And I picked Ryan Tannehill. Oh, how terrible was that? You picked Matt Stafford. I thought that was a good pick. Um, he's still in the conversation, still in the conversation, but I, I just don't see how anybody is ahead of Lamar Jackson. And that includes his counterpart who is going to be playing quarterback on the other side of the field in Justin Herbert, who has been, phenomenal and is going to be something the Broncos have to deal with for the next 10 to 12 years. So that sucks.
2: Yeah. I, but that I think that's going to be a great game. I, I don't know about the defenses. I think both, both defenses do just enough. Like they have just enough to get the pressure or a blocked field goal in the form of Calais Campbell. So I, I, I think this game has the potential to be the game of the weekend, but as you said, it can also be the dud too. And the other game, that I think has the potential to be real to be very good is the Cardinals and the Browns.
1: Yeah, uh, Kyler Murray versus uh, Baker Mayfield, a couple of Oklahoma products. Uh, so you know, shout and another out to, MVP favorite, yeah, Kyler Murray, absolutely. the last undefeated team in the NFL. So th- I actually don't don't know how to pick that game to be honest, because I think the Browns are sort of a weird. The Browns are weird. The Browns are an enigma because they. They seem like they should be really good. And and I am not out on Baker Mayfield as a quarterback. I still really like Baker Mayfield and think that he can be one of the top, you know, eight to ten quarterbacks in the NFL. I, I just I don't know what they are. I and, and that's what sort of drives me nuts. They've got Chubb and Hunt, you know, and they're always hunting a Chubb. And 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 that helps the Chub Hunt combination is uh, is interesting. Imagine if
2: Bradley Chub was there too; there would be a double Chub Hunt.
1: That's true. When you're a hunt for double Chub, the hunt hunt for double Chub. Yes, I imagine that's the case. That was my really bad uh, Sean Connery impersonation. If you haven't seen a Hunt for Red October, fix that. Do do yourself a favor this weekend. But. Uh, I, I just can't Maybe watch it. that instead of the Broncos and the Raiders. You, you might be able to, although I think uh, you should watch the Broncos and the Raiders. I think they're it's going to be really fun. Uh, or if it gets real bad, you can always turn it off. There's, there's always that option, you know, <laughs> so where are we going with this? Oh, that's right. Browns and Cardinals. That'll be a fun game. I just don't know what the Browns are. So I have no idea. You did not, you forgot to mention, and I'll just go ahead and throw it out. The other AFC West game is the chiefs at the Washington football team. Um, I don't see how the Chiefs lose that game, although pff, they've been losing Washington games has left a and good right. And, that's right, and Washington does have – do they, though? They haven't been good this season. That's the other thing yeah. that's been a bit of a surprise is that Washington's defense has not been as good as predicted uh, heading into the season. So it'll be interesting to see if the Chiefs can get right or if Washington can get right. Uh, and whoever does will probably be the winner of that game.
2: I, I will say the last couple of years, the Chiefs have been horrible against the spread – and this is the betting tidbit. So the line ranges between seven to seven and a half. The the Chiefs may win. I don't know if they'll cover. Now, now that I say that, they
1: probably will. Well, don't the take other your advice g- from Ian and make your own decisions. You know, this, exactly. You know, I'm just saying, be that, smart about it and and don't, exactly. Don't overdo, but also, you know, it's certainly a possibility.
2: The other two games that are going to be interesting are the Packers, Bears, Cowboys, Patriots the Packers Bears just because of the rivalry game and the fact that it's in Chicago and the Bears have a legitimate defense that just shut down Derek Carr and the Raiders but do they have enough to stop Devontae Adams which I don't think anyone in the NFL can stop Devontae Adams
1: I mean as a Devontae Adams owner I really hope not I mean the only thing that could stop the Packers from
2: winning is Mason Crosby which is a shame because he went to CU like 50 years ago.
1: You know, when he set the record for the longest field – goal. have I told this story on the on the show? I'm going to tell it again because why not. When he set the record for the longest field goal in, in college football history, which has since been broken, uh, I was there. Not only was I there, I was in the end zone, and I swear I almost caught the ball. Like, it bounced – and then went into the net because I was front row right where the big like where it says Colorado at Folsom Field, you know, on there. And the ball kicked up towards us, and I grabbed the ball, but the net was in my – I couldn't get the net around the net. And some guy came running up and snatched the ball out of my hand and took it away. I was totally going to keep that football. Uh, and then I And then I left, and so whatever. And I don't even remember if they won that game, to be honest, because that's really the only thing I remember about the game, and there are reasons for that.
2: That's how long Mason Crosby has been kicking in the National Football League. That's and true. then the Cowboys Patriots. Are the Cowboys for real? I think, I mean, they've been impressive to start the year. That offense with Dak Prescott. I think the defense has been better than at least I thought they would be. So Ezekiel Elliott's been a heck world? of
1: a surprise, right? Back and better, you know, in his form. Yeah. Yep. So can the Cowboys go into
2: Foxborough and take care of a Bill Belichick defense, which did slow down Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And speaking of Tom Brady, a 44 year old leads the national football league in passing yardage. So if he continues to do that and the Bucs continue to win, yeah, there's your MVP. You've been listening to mile high report radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com.
1: And as always, go Broncos.